I love the fact that you're doing podcasts with just um, epic elite guys. <laughs> and I, I've done a couple outside the LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, interesting. I knew a guy, uh, by the way, I, I started recording just. Uh, sure. I don't, that's fine. So, Absolutely. Uh, uh, a guy I've known for almost 20 years. He used to yeah. work into it, has his own companies. Now he's doing cannabis with his son. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's he went up to the gyrations. He started off buying companies, went public, and oh, yeah. a lot of capital and a lot of interest and using that uh, stock as currency and bought a lot of companies. And then, boom, it went back down that. So he had to contract and sell some stuff off and it didn't integrate a lot of stuff didn't integrate to his business as he uh as he hoped and it's now he's doing it just seems like he's doing a lot of it by himself and it's a lot harder well it, it is a lot harder but i mean you do get to pick your own flavor and i, I had kind of a not kind of a similar experience you know founded a company grew it national company sold it to a private equity firm and then sat on a board for 10 years with a couple of billionaires and watched how they just built this kind of behemoth thing. And I was like, I thought that would be fun. I thought it would be fun going to board meetings and listening to the list of acquisitions. And, but actually after a while, it wasn't. It, was, it became more of a, um, less of an operational thing and more of just kind of moving business chips around so so i did that for a while um and then i like like the story you just said i'm like i really like the operations i really like the beginning part of the business and i'll tell you about what, what i'm up to now yeah 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 the assembly the assembly piece um and then when it gets really big and bureaucratic then it's just board meetings all the time i kind of lose interest um, so I totally get what your friend said. Bigger is not better. More money, more people at the table. Yeah. Well, I got a question for you about that. Now you sit on this board, whether it's a phone call or you go to face to face. I mean, did you just listen most of the time or did they say, it really, hey. it, really it, it really was that it's a, it's a company called KPA. Um, the, the site's KPA online for anybody who wants to go take a look at it. And it was compliance consulting in the automotive industry, which is like, well, how, how fun can that be? Well, not fun, but very lucrative. Because um, this, this was the 90s when really the environment became very popular to talk about and saving the environment. And, and there were all these safety regulations that came out. So my company just exploded. We went from California only to national. And it was like super kind of cool just growing and picking up thousands of clients and putting offices in everywhere. But like I was involved with all of that. And then I uh, sold the thing in 2004, just to date myself a little bit, but because I had done so well, still got to keep a lot of the stock. So I ended up the third largest shareholder when I thought I was selling and leaving. <laughs> and the two guys that came in, it was just a different way of doing business where like, I would like get an endorsement in a new state, put an office in, hire staff, bring in marketing, scale the HQ. They would just come in and go, ah, we should be, in, we should be more in software. Let's, let's get an HR software company. And I, I was like, huh? How does that relate to compliance consulting for car dealers? 
And lo and behold, we'd own a, we'd own a software company doing HR software. Well, we should build their websites. Well, what does this have to do with? And again, there was no synergy at all that was it the just only synergy yeah. the only synergy is that it's the same customer and they got a bigger checkbook to spend money in other places so if you're already in there and you're doing compliance consulting for car dealers when you come in and you go hey you need a website yeah yeah we need a website ah oh, we got that too and you know who's right or who's wrong um sold again in 2014 um, and then just recently sold again to Providence Group for multi-nine figures. Oh, wow. So These two billionaires, they made out with tons of money? Guys like me did great. <laughs> and and it's, the company is thriving now. And if you go take a look, even today, it's called Vera now. And like, nice um, yeah. And then the software part of that, I'm like, well, that was a deal years ago. So who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah. Uh, it's my point is that there's just so many different ways of doing business and scaling. And the trick, my trick has been to be do the version that makes me happiest. Well, so, how, how, you know, it's a part of negative art. How do you get into something you think it's kind of uh, fun and then all of a sudden you go, it's not, yeah. I need to delete that from my well, I think, I think first of all is always have a, a goal, wh what you're playing to. Like, you know, for me, when it was, when it was, when I was young, it was retired by 40. And yeah, so I saw I that on your website. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very goal driven, yeah. retired by 40. And, and why? Because like that seemed like a Hollywood movie and it seemed hard, but doable. And then like from an ego standpoint, but then to go, you have to make enough money to retire by 40. I mean, anybody can retire by 40. Just move to Africa. <laughs> That's right. Be an expat. That's it's, right. it's simple. Yeah. But what I was like, no, no, I want a house on the ocean in Del Mar. And I got one in the house in Florida. And I, and I want a Bentley. And I, this whole thing. And then you're like, well, how much does that cost? And so you pick a number. And then like that becomes your obsession. And you're like, I don't care if it sucks. You know, I don't, I'm, it's supposed to suck. I'm supposed to hate this. And so when I'm in Wisconsin and it's in the middle of winter and I'm freezing my ass off because I'm from California and I'm like, I, it sucks so bad. I love it. I'm getting so <laughs> close. And then lo and behold, I retired at 39 and a half. And I'm like, okay, I did it. Now where's the victory parade? Man, unless you're Tom Brady winning Super Bowl number seven, there's no victory parade. You simply sit there in your living room and go, well, that kind of sucks. And then next thing you know is like, you don't have friends who played at the next level because all your friends you made on the way up. Yeah. Now they don't want to talk to your ass anymore because like, you're not one of them. You're sitting around with all this money. Uh, yeah, you hit on a point that I think like Warren Buffett and Charles yeah. are going to do this till they die is because they love doing it. They're working exactly what they love to do. Well, I think it's even bigger is that, you know, one of man's greatest driving forces is to live consistent with their identity, right? Like you got a, you got a hat on right now. It looks like a cobra eating a baseball. Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. So you identify as a Diamondbacks fan. 
Now, there's probably six or seven things in your life that define 90% of your personality. Like I'm looking at 600 books behind you and a diamond facts thing. And I'm like, this dude loves baseball and reading. Well, what if all of a sudden you couldn't, the Diamondbacks, you couldn't go to any more games and you couldn't read. Then you'd sit there and go, well, crap, I didn't even know that, but that was part of my identity. And this is the struggle that entrepreneurs have is that their excuse becomes, well, I was this way for that reason, but then they really became that way. So when you retire early and you go, well, hold on. I used to have 200 employees, 20 offices, and I was very important. And now I've got all this money and I sit in my living room and nobody gives a shit. Even the people who used to work for me won't answer my emails because I'm not the boss anymore. <laughs> You're <becomes> irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. And that's what Warren Buffett is, has faced with. Yeah. That's, that's what I, have, I haven't met one person who hasn't had this, this struggle. It's just like, choose your identity. Or, or it will be created by the actions that you take. Yeah. So this That's 39, uh, by the way, welcome to the top uh, oh, entrepreneurs podcast. We are here <laughs> with Terry Williamson. He's an early Epic member and uh, he's behind the scenes. If you watch any of the trainings, he's in there in the lights. Yeah. Yes. There's no doubt. <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah. So what do you do? What did you, how did you re-image yourself after this 39? I retired and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I sat on boards for about six years. Um, and then at 45, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm brain dead already. But in what little thoughts I have, original thoughts I have left, I need to go back someplace that re-engages my brain. So I went back to business school. Yeah, and I saw that. USC, right? Yeah, I went, no, I went to University of California, San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Okay. I was living in Del Mar, a beautiful, beautiful area. And they had this new business school. That, that entrepreneurs funded, like Erwin Jacobs from Qualcomm and Ernest yeah, Rainey yeah. and like just billionaires. They threw in like a hundred million dollars and built this crazy, amazing campus. And I was like in the fourth class ever. We had 52 students in my class and it's just a school for entrepreneurs. So I went right back in. I got these 27, 28, 30, 30. I'm 45 years old. People think I'm there to teach the class. And, <laughs> yeah. But it was the most invigorating thing because it reminded me of when I, when I was younger. And I was like, I remember when I used, used to think about building businesses and then I'd go do some stuff. Not like get the funding, build the team, vest the, you know, vet the idea. They just like think of stuff and go do it. And so I'm sitting there my, my second year. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to graduate and, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I took a social media class and like I hadn't sent a text when I went there in, in 2009. My first text was in 2010. Not internet, not face, a text on your phone. But my last year in, in, uh, in uh, two, the spring of 2011, I said, you know what? I'm going to start a social media marketing firm. Screw it. I don't even know what social media is, but the world needs it. So I did right there in school. And I was doing multiple seven figures before I graduated. My problem was I didn't know a thing about social media. Yeah. Tell me how you did that. Because most of the times, you know, if you go, if you want a hungry customer, that's your best pass. Right. Right. Yeah. So you heard of proximity is power. 
So I was the only student who was in Tech Post Angels, one of the largest angel investing networks in the world. Gotcha. Yes. And I happened to be at that point just on the board, like the junior guy who vetted a lot of deals and did follow up stuff. But here I am with all these business guys. And so I would call up and say, hey, Pete, you ever heard of the social media thing? Yeah, you need it. I'm going to send you over a contract. Terry. Because <laughs> we've done deals together, right? I'm investing in companies with them. So next thing you know, I'm, I mean, like one of my first, con- my first deals, uh, true story, was the University of California, San Diego. Why? Because I walked in and talked to that person. And I'm like, Terry, I had just sponsored some big um, pitch competition. Like they don't normally have students sponsoring like competitions and stuff. And I, so like I was, had a pretty high visibility guy and I'm like, I'm doing this social media marketing thing. That's great. Sign us up. So this happens sometimes in business where you get a ton of, you, you get a deal simply because you were in the right place at the right time. And there was a degree of trust. You may or may not be qualified, but it happens all the time. Yeah. So you got yeah, to keep your eyes open for that too. I mean, really. Be well, a- you got to be, you got to be careful that you, that you want that. Because like when I, um, I mean, it's no secret. Roland's my partner, right? So, um, are one of my partners. So an early Epic, I would do Epic Elite and like people would come and say, how about half my company? I'd be like, okay. And so it was, it was very um, easy to do deals, but then I ended up with deals that like, well, how am I going to add value here? How am I going to do anything great? I own 14 companies. These are all people who trusted me to be able to help them. One, I'm not sure I can, and two, I'm not sure I want to. So, so it's very careful. Don't, you know, don't, and I think that my advice to people listening, especially Epic guys listening right now is like, it's, Passion, skill set, demand. Your zone of genius is at the middle of that. Passion, skill set, demand. Look for deals where there's a piece of that. You're passionate about it. You have a skill set that supports it. And then there's demand for it. So now I only look at deals and I look at a lot of deals, but I only take deals or I'm interested in deals. They're at the focal point of those three points. Now, those I get excited about. Those I'm like, oh man, I hope I get it. I was putting deals together that I hope I didn't get. Like, nah, well, you want to give me 30? I want 40. And they go, okay, 40. I'm like, damn. And so that's what I think. I, and I, I, you know, I was in a very luxurious position, John, and that like at 39, I figured out that having a bunch of money didn't make me happy that actually being fulfilled makes me happy. So when uh, Roland and I decided to do some stuff together, we named our company Fulfillionaire Ventures. Yeah, I didn't know Roland was a partner in that, but that's cool. Yeah. It's he plus me. And we're just like Roland, we're only doing deals that make us happy, that make a difference. Um, not just to get as many as that we- as many. Which like make a difference, you mean, social good or make you feel good and it well i'll give you a for instance 
Um, we're doing uh, uh, FBA roll, Amazon FBA roll up. Um, a lot different than most portfolios. There's, there's 100 portfolio companies doing the same thing. Ours is around a niche. So we're doing it in the dog space. So yeah. the, company, the company's called wegodago.dog. I thought I'd break the cycle on .com. It's .dog. And the, the, the lead piece of that is charity-based. So the first thing we went out and said is who is a massive charity that we can associate ourselves with where we can give. So like literally today, which is April 21st, 2021, forgive me killing your evergreen portion of your podcast, but just for, for, for reference. Oh, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're sponsoring the pay it forward campaign for bestfriends.org. So we're, we're paying the adoption fee for 2000 dogs in shelters across America. Oh, that's and, for me, and for me, it's like, wow, one, we're building this really great hyper niche um, brand around dogs, doing all these acquisitions around it, but like we're giving away a ton of the money. So if you can build business and save dogs, um, my wife is full-time philanthropist. She's building, it's called the Sunshine Factory here in Montana across the street. It's a Ronald McDonald house. There's sick little kids and their families, and these kids get life flighted in. And, and she built a, is built in a, a house for them. You know, these families stay there for months. So yeah. what my point, my point is, is that it's easy to keep the passion part of the triad alive, passion, skill set, demand, if it's something you really care about. Yeah, it's like two things. My uh, my daughter right now really wants a new puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, we, we've got one dog already, and it's uh, my wife is saying no because she has to take care of it. I go, no, wait a minute. I'm the one that walks the dog, runs the dog, I feed the dog, uh, and your son cleans up the poop. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you do. Well, we got we got three dogs. One of them um, walks on its front legs and wears a diaper. Had a spine injury. Ah. as most of his life. The other one is blind and the other one is a puppy mill mama. And so it's easy to have a dog brand and be, and be doing a roll up around something I'm, I already love. Yeah. And is that, do you see a payoff in a sort of way? And I'll give you an example. If you, are you familiar with Mr. Beast, the guy in yeah. the video? Yeah. So the more money he spends and gives away, the more uh, subscribers he gets. Yes. That's a thousand percent true. Um, there are several, in fact, in the dog space, there are several big brands, big, big brands that started as charity only. And they have, uh, so they started as not, nothing, literally were a charity and they built it into multi eight and nine figure businesses because that becomes their identity. So, so absolutely, yes, um, that's one of our, it's great for building the brand, like that gives us brand value. Like, you know, like one of the things we do is really big Facebook groups. So yeah, but our, and our, face, our Facebook groups, we just talk about, we don't, we don't sell stuff. We, we have a, a half a million people in, in uh, great Facebook groups. We don't sell anything. There's never an offer dropped in the group. It's just building goodwill. And now when we, we go in there and we have something that they might be, like we just did a, 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 um, a report on dog anxiety. Like 
humans are going back to work. There's record numbers of dogs in houses. The dogs are anxious, right? How do you help an anxious dog? When you leave, they've seen you home every day for in your, in your pajamas for 500 days in a row. And now you're gone all day. Yeah, if I, uh, I'm not going anywhere, but my dog follows me around the house. A hundred percent. So there's separation anxiety. So we prepare a report. We put it out to a half a million people and lo and behold, tens of thousands of them want it. Now we exchange an email address for that and that can take them over to the paid part of our business. Yeah. But it started as a pure gift and we didn't, we didn't ask or force them. There's no, hey, today only 50% off this because you're a Facebook group member. Um, so those two, those two pieces fit together. And I would argue that in just about any business, if you have a charity that's actually related to the business, that's great. But even, even if you don't, having a charitable component, and I don't mean 1% of profits, I mean, and something visible. And it's not even, it's not even like holding up a check. It's like, what did you do with that? Yeah, you know that, uh, have you seen those commercials, those sock guys companies? They said, yeah. that, you know, the, uh, the number one request of uh, closed donation is socks. So every yeah. sock pair they sell, they give away a sock to the, yeah. I'm saying it's a business model for sure. Charity is a business model, but people also under, understand when it's authentic versus self-serving. Yeah, trying to duplicate, you know, Tom shoes or something. I get. Well, that. do me a favor, set up your five hundred one c three, audit your financials, and release them. And if you can show that you are in fact giving away millions of dollars, now people will believe you. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just some BS version. Yeah. Of what was first? Did you uh, the Facebook group? Did you buy that or the the Amazon? Uh, uh, we do all, first of all, all of it at one time. Um, again, we have, um, have the resources. And um, so, you know, we, we have the ability to scale businesses really quickly. And um, gosh, I think we've added 29 employees in the last 60 days or so, put an office in China. Um, so we did it all as a coordinated strategy. Yeah. So, so you're, ta- you're talking about eight nine figure business right now if you're well that's yeah that's what we're trying to what we're trying to do is because there's this whole amazon fba consolidation we're taking advantage of the ridiculous multiples there by by spinning something up very quickly that's that's different than the hundred other guys doing it doing the consolidation the other hundred guys are simply buying any and every uh, private seller brand they can get to combine it together in a portfolio model to either go public or to sell to a bigger group or something. We're, we just, we're, I just think that the actual way to do it is to actually build a brand through consolidation. Uh, and, and I'll give you a, a quick, for instance, um, waste management years ago. There was no company called waste management. In a year, they bought 150 garbage companies around the country. They put them all together. It's called waste management. It's, but they all had garbage, and that was what they was come consistent with them. That's uh, so I, wasn't that Wayne Huizinga too? Yeah, that's him. And then he went on to do the same with AutoNation. Yeah. So AutoNation was a client of ours, four hundred dealerships. He simply bought them all, put them all together. It's AutoNation, the world, the nation's largest um, auto chain. So my point was, when it came, when it comes time to do consolidation in markets, 
private equity guys come in and they're agnostic to the business. They just want the revenue. Right. And they want to combine that together. They're like, we'll buy um, potato chip company, somebody who does oranges, somebody who makes cars and somebody who does blue jeans. And we'll put them all together, have centralized management. But the EBITDA we create will give us leveraged returns. I just think it's a faulty strategy. I like building a kind of a core brand and then having acquisitions around that because there's an accretive value for doing the same thing at a bigger scale. And you can also exit not going public or to some other private equity fund. You can exit by selling it to actual businesses who would like the spare million customers. Yeah, I got a question. This is, if you're buying an FBA business, it's doing 5 million and another one doing 10, it's unrelated. Is there yeah. a software that could consolidate that the tracking of the information in there, so. Yeah, first of all, there's a billion pieces of software. I actually just bought, we just bought um, two software companies, um, which will be pretty public news here um, very quickly. Um, to, to not do just that, but to do the data analysis on the Amazon business. There's a hundred tools that do it right now, depending on what you want to look at. Yeah, uh, but it's everything from inventory management to um, Amazon pay per click to um, all the metrics on any part of the business to reviews, um, rankings, that kind of stuff. There's that's already been totally done. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I read a story about uh, Walmart when he started. He said, Look, I'm going to dominate the small cities because you know, people buy towels in San Diego, they don't buy beach towels in Nebraska. And I don't right. want a centralized, you know, uh, location deciding that. <laughs> no. Well, one of the, one of the um, and again, I can't announce the name, but if we're going to market here in about 60 days. Everybody will know. Um, what it does is it does Amazon ranking geographically. It's kind of like what you just said. It will, it will, people don't buy, people in sunny places buy more suntan lotion than dark places, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this software lets you apportion your, your inventory um, you know, based on that. So the technology is out there, but the problem with Amazon business is they really are seller driven. I mean, there really are nuances of it. You know, a lot of a lot of like the big payback from consolidation is you get to fire all the headquarters staff and bring them in. And, and so like that works in a lot of places, because like if you bought two companies and you had two CFOs. Well, they both just manage money. It doesn't matter. We don't need two. So you either keep the best one or you keep the cheapest one, but you get rid of one. Well, it doesn't work that way with Amazon because the knowledge about the specific products and the ranking techniques and, and all that stuff are so nuanced that you can't just apply a corporate solution. Um, so, no, our team looks all day every day at just dog stuff. Our acquisition opportunities are just dog stuff. When we're doing product dev, we understand dog products inside and out. We're doing supplement brands and a new dog water bottle and a dog care a backpack, you know, but the thing is, this is all we, this is all we do. We all have dogs. Everything is dogs. Any of the acquisitions we do are dogs. 
because we think there's a home field advantage for understanding something at such an intimate level. And because there's 2.5 or so million Amazon sellers, we're just very selective at making sure the ones that we get fit into our core brand. Yeah. Um, Pretty quickly. Do you, uh, it, when you buy an Amazon business, FBA business, do, do you yeah. some of that manage it there or they, they want out or, or? Well, no, that's, that's, the, that's what I'm saying is that, the, that what's happening on the consolidation in the industry right now is portfolio companies, usually private equity guys, they're firing everybody. They're firing the management team. Now, if you've ever done acquisitions, and I've, I've been part of and done many, you know, the first question I ask is, who are the key players here in this company? Yes, there's a thousand people that work here, but I bet there's four guys that can't leave. And so it, it's a very you know, specific strategy. The strategy shouldn't be fire everybody because we don't need you. And with, and, and with Amazon businesses, usually the top guy got the business where it was. It's very difficult to just luck out on a product anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's about getting, how do you get that product above 30,000 other listings there? I mean, whatever, yeah. I mean, it's like exaggeration, but if well, I don't know, it's, like it's not. You, it's 30,000 listings. <laughs> well, right, I'll give you an example. So my partner, um, Epic Elite, Sam, um, JT, um, he's a 30-year-old whiz kid. He's, he's my partner in this business. His last business, he was with uh, gaming. He had a gamers company. You know, all these, these, I call them kids, but, you know, 20-somethings that like video games. So, like, he was very successful. He owned an esports team. But he was the number one guy in the planet for the earphones. The little, like, who, who is the guy who, you know, who does the earphones? Well, it was him. I mean, literally sold... $15 million a year, $20 at a time, but he made them specific for gamers. So then now that he had the brand as being one of the top gamer brands, when he added a product, he already had two and a half million gamers in his community. So how you compete is by going out to your gaming community and going, hey, we got these little headphone things. You're gonna love them, they're the best ever. I built them specifically for gamers. Yeah, now and you have to have everybody that. else. Yeah, you have to have that uh, that brand and that community because you know it's Amazon's customer, right? So you have to. Well, absolutely. Now you don't have to, but if you're going to compete in Amazon based on organic SEO and Amazon pay per click, you're gonna. You're, there's very little chance. I mean, somebody wins that battle. It's just probably not going to be you. Yeah. So the trick is, can you bring your own traffic? which is why you, why you buy Facebook groups of a half a million people so you can bring your own traffic and you build email lists and you have influencers and you do these kind of tra off Amazon traffic generating maneuvers so that you can build these big communities so you don't have to compete with giveaways and pay-per-click and SEO and all the normal ways that everybody has to compete. Yeah, I, I got a question about there's a phenomenon happens. Uh, we do uh, reggae raises uh, for my company and we don't particularly like sending our company to do a listing on Start Engine or Republic CO. I said, look, if you're going to spend money, you know, let's say you spent $500,000 and you're going to send somebody to Start Engine and they're going to find, oh, that drone looks really cool. I'm going to spend my money over there because they did a better job of marketing. Like, 
you're back to the days of that marketing goes, well, I just don't know where 50% of my money's being spent. First of all, abs- absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and and what I, I think is building, well, gosh, let's just take an example. It's a poor one, but we'll try anyway. The Kardashians, right? The Kardashians spend $0 on marketing. Why? <laughs> because they're influencers. They get it for free. They get 75 to 80 million Instagram followers or something. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. That's why Kylie Jenner's a billionaire. She spent $0 on marketing. So that's simply it to an extreme. So my argument would be, you know, the days of like profitable Facebook ads, I mean, it's really hard. Google, because it's an auction system. Obviously, marketers and corporations are going to screw that because they can, they can uh, outbid everybody. Google AdWords, go compete for the word lawyer in Los Angeles and see what it costs you per click. $600 a click. I'm guessing. You can't do it. You can't do it. Right? So now it's always finding the next thing. Like now it's TikTok ads. We're doing, we're running literally right now running TikTok ads. Why? Because the costs are so cheap. Amazon sponsored ads. The most profitable division of Amazon is sponsored ads. It's on an auction system. So I think it's a losing strategy to play the paid media auction game. You can do it short term in the beginning, but very quickly you get past the tipping point and you, you're, you're going to lose money. So I think a better strategy is do the Kardashians thing and build a community of people who love it and then make sure that you can reach them easily without having to pay. Yeah. So... I take it you have some celebrity influencers, dog-loving celebrity influencers. We have we have um, several. Yeah. Um, we we just signed up. Um, there was a show called The Pack, an Amazon show called The Pack, and um, it's a combination of Amazing Race meets Survivor. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so uh, the the skier. What's her name? Lindsay Vaughn. Lindsay Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the guy who got second place in that. He has a blue mohawk and his dog has a blue mohawk. So we just did a book deal with him. We're actually publishing his book, Amazing Story, and we're paying for all of it. And he's an influencer with us. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so we get his community um, and, you know, we're here helping dogs. Well, what better way to have a guy who's had a dog who's helped him, who has an amazing story, tell the story of helping dogs. Yeah. And that's a lot better than us paying, doing paid ads to chewy.com or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're doing over here. It sounds like, I got to tell you, I know that you love dogs. You got your own dogs. It sounds like a business. it's a forever business versus, Oh my God, I'm just going to wait for the FU offer from private equity. Well, no, no. One, I already had the FU offer a couple of times in my life and I took it. So we're <laughs> fine. We're fine. So I sold out. John, I sold out guilty, yeah. right? Yeah. So but that puts you in the position where you don't have to sell out. So I'm not saying that, you know, when the right number comes along, we won't be like, yes, but it'll be yes. But here's the conditions. The charity stays alive. You make these contributions. We have these charity partners over here. We sit on the board of the charity. Like the bigger you are, the more successful you are, the more you call the exit rules. Yeah. We got, we got acquired by like, I don't know, Chewy. 
then I would do this at a massive level. Well, why, why would they want us to do that? Because we've done something they can't. Not Chewy, because they have mastered the online world, but Petco. Petco's put, put, they announced they're putting 300 million into e-commerce. Why? Because of Chewy, which is owned by PetSmart, which did 3 billion last year online. Might be a good business move to not be Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah, let's uh, let Amazon take care of the ship. <laughs> right? So we come along, they can't buy Chewy, it belongs to PetSmart, but, but they could buy us and they wouldn't have to build it. It's already built. We simply scale it into Petco. Yeah. I'm just using them as an example. It's cheaper to buy us than to try to build it yourself because if you could, you would have already. Or you're just dumb. And if you're listening to if the CEO of Petco and you're listening to me, guys, you're, you're, you're messing it all up. There, I just said it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Somebody might see that. How, how do you, are you the driving force behind this uh, project or are you? No, no, that's, that's what I'm saying, John, kind of circling back to the beginning. You know, I, I really enjoyed building KPA into something huge. Yeah. That I really didn't enjoy sitting on boards and being fancy. And I really did enjoy digital marketing. And now I really enjoy e-commerce. The only requirement is that I've got to be here doing it myself. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I got time to talk to you because I have amazing people I trust. And it's like, there's a whole level of decisions I'm not involved in, but acquisitions, hires, products, kind of the important stuff that I love, I get to see how all the pieces fit together. So it's kind of like jigsaw puzzle playing at a, at a grand scale. I, I like that puzzle analogy, absolutely. Yeah, and then in the e-commerce world, it's wide open. There's not a lot of dudes like me out here wanting to play in this because all the fancy dudes are doing Bitcoin, right? Stuff like that. <laughs> Cannabis and Bitcoin. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm doing it on dogs. Yeah. How I don't get me wrong. I got a bunch of other holdings. I do cannabis. I got hemp. I got, I got some wine stuff. I got in uh, air filtration, doing some stuff with some epic guys. I just uh, started working with a guy doing billboards. It's a uh, different yeah i mean it's just yeah. great serial entrepreneur i love it i said if the guy was a startup and i didn't know him I, I wouldn't even join him but he's done three or four other companies and i said look i'll happen you know it, i'll come as a board advisor now how, how yeah. about uh how's your successor been at acquiring these fba businesses i mean how yeah. what's that like What's that funnel look like? You got to reach out to hundred that Roland talks about Epic or is it? Yeah. yeah, no, we're not, we're not playing that game. It's all relationship based. Yeah. So what we did first, it's a hub and spoke model, which is build the core, which is we go doggo dot dog. And I think we got 12 products coming out in the next uh, seven weeks coming out with supplements, hemp oil. Um, we got a dog travel um, seat and a, uh, travel bag and a water bottle and some stuff. So build the core brand, then build all of the community traffic assets. So email list, Facebook group, stuff like that. And then get all the data analytics, the software part straight. So we acquired uh, three companies in that space. And so now we have all of the core of it together. 
while we network and, and for instance, like this, I don't know if there's any, any big dog brands looking, but we're already influencers in the space. Yeah. So we, we go directly to either the person who has it or whose good friend runs a big dog brand. Yeah, yeah. And we're not worried about the good ones being gone because the good ones don't want to sell to Amazon portfolio companies. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Th- um, is there a danger of Amazon, you know, being the house and yeah. seeing the numbers out there and they go, you know what, we're going to come out with our own brand? Well, Amazon has their own brand now. It's one of the biggest in the world. Amazon Basics. The, oh, big yeah, yeah. Fear, the big fear is that they don't want the competition of consolidation. Somebody put enough brands together to compete with Amazon Basics, for instance, would be bad for Amazon. They could simply say, we don't allow that. It's a private marketplace. We're shutting all your stores down. And that would be, that would be really, really bad. Yeah, so. uh, that sucks. Um, yeah. Do you guys have, at the point, do you, are you applying most of Epic's uh, strategies of buying no money out of pocket use, or using other people's money? Or, or do you guys have yeah. a fund to do that? Uh, well, first of all, 100% funded by us. Yeah. So we own 100%. Second of all, I will answer that question by saying, Roland Frazier is my partner. Yeah. So you can imagine how much money we've spent. It's so close to zero that we'll round it to zero. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, you know, there's some acquisitions we're working on here and it, you know, we love the business. It's doing five million and two point four million in EBITDA. Yeah, I, I'm in the software business. I've yeah. been in software all my life, so it's a kind of an IT software business. So, uh, but he he is moving off to a new company that has potential to be a you know yeah. a billion dollar business. So he needs capital to to move to the next business. Yeah. And uh, so many different ways. I mean, yeah, we could have a ten minute conversation, but I already think of seven ways that you can get that for no money. I will say this. To any Epic Elites listening, most of the deals I've done are with Epic Elite members. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind mentioning, like I said, we're looking at cannabis and hemp and all that. That's where I'm going to say his name right now. Paul Newman. Paul, I love you, brother. I'm going to send you this. Um, and um, it, it's because most people think of deals is like us versus them. Like what, what his company is doing for the world unbelievable i mean cannabis to actually cure people yeah yeah right? hemp air filtration i i mean this is just and, and this is really the heart of their company now why would he want to do something with me well one i'm all about kids they're sponsoring the air filtration system at the sunshine factory it's amazing i'm all about dogs they're about helping dogs so when we come together to do a deal, we simply, it's not like how much money, how much money, this and that. The money will all work itself out. But what it is, is like, what are you doing? What am I doing? How do we do that together? And then when both parties are motivated to find the solution, not because I win, you lose, I risk, you don't risk. That's how all of my deals get done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. geez, I got to say, man, we're already almost 50 yeah. minutes into this. I got to tease you. You teased me a little bit about seven ways to do that. We're just looking at some uh, like family offices and some 
Yeah, maybe so it's private equity groups. Just borrow the money and purchase it. Uh, you said there was like seven ways. Is there anything? Oh, no, I just thought of seven immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I just opened the loop on that, John. Yeah. Okay, so now you want to know like what's a way? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. So the real thing is the motivation of the buyer. He says he simply wants capital. Does he want it all at once? Does he need it all at once? Does he need a huge chunk of money? That's the first question that I need, right? Yeah. So, so he wants a big portion of. There's two things that changed. Uh, two things that kind of changed his uh, thinking just in the last couple of weeks. One is a private equity firm came to him and offered him uh, some money for it. Uh, and we said, you know, he told us the conditions on it. He goes, he hasn't been through due diligence yet, so they yeah. will probably lower it there. Uh, any multiple in the payout. Uh, and they want 66% of it, and they want him to stay on for three years at 40 hours a week. So that's not really an offer, but yeah. he's buoyed by the price. And the other thing his wife got in a car accident uh, head on with a drunk driver three weeks ago. So he had a life changing event. It's like one of those tickets in your life where you only get 20 punches and yeah, be very serious about the punch. Yeah. Uh, and this is a life changing event. So more yeah. money out of the pocket. And he's got this other business that he's trying to start and it's actually taken off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, it's all about motivation. And the yeah. thing we know about private equity guys, it's just about money. So you're probably not going to sculpt the deal with private equity guys, but there's a lot of strategics. So what you simply want to do is be, be the in between, between him and the strategic, right? If you can be the strategic, it's even better. Because you're like, listen, screw the valuation. I know what it's worth. I'll give you this. Due diligence, don't worry about it. I'm going to check 12 things, right? Now you have this free cash flow. Now you can either go into kind of stall mode, which is, man, I'll just pay you out of free cash flow. It's no problem. And you go, but I want more than free cash flow. Great. We'll do a little mezzanine debt. I think I can go out and I can raise, you know, X million at Y dollars. And the mezzanine guys are looking for deals. And yeah, so yeah. right now you get the debt, you get 75, you get all of it is debt with 25% convertible to equity. Mezzanine deal guys love that. The guy gets his money. You make sure that the cash flow covers the payment. That's all. And yeah. now you have growth. Now, if you don't need him to grow the business, let him go. If you need him, hey dude, I just need you around to be able to answer questions for 90 days. Great. Yeah. So then all I like to do is calculate what growth I can bring to the business, not astronomical, spend everything you got, but to accelerate the repayment of the debt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I look at the 20, what can I build in 24 months that will pay this thing off? Yeah. So basically for 24 months, he got his chunk. I got the debt. Some of it's convertible to equity. I can pull a couple of levers. I can do a little debt reduction. I can add a product feature. I can go to a new market. We'll simply accelerate it, not to blow up the world model, kind of the de-risk model where I know I can do it based on my skill set. And then for 24 months, I basically work for him. Yeah. Now, when I get done, I own the whole asset or I own 75% because I did such a good job. The mezzanine guy converted to equity and we're good. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's that it. Uh, uh, yeah, I love it. By the way, uh, I do have a, another epic partner, Sabri Savin, that's in IT, works for Deloitte, does consulting for them. So yeah. 
you are very correct about working with others in the Epic Group and 100%. the strategy working with, uh, you know, how we're doing this. And that's, no, a, that's a, I have been talking to a number of mezzanine guys from Axial.net, you know, that group where you can. Yeah, of course. Play, play. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. is no, no. awesome. Just one more and I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Right? Well, I got a message about Epic and I'm going to let you go. Yeah, no, no, no. I love it. Let's, Keep it going. Let's yeah. say the guy came back and he's like, man, I love this business. It's my little baby. I hate to let it go. Ah. I would probably do an ESOP. If, and then you can, you can do, uh, ESOPs will let, let you take about half of the free cash flow out of the business to fund the old partner leaving. And then you can redistribute the equity to the people who are there, which is amazing. And it's all funded by profits from the company. It's basically the most, the best from a tax standpoint, way to transfer wealth from one generation of owners to the other if you want those people to stay in the company. And they don't have to pay for the stock. And I need the CTO, Oleg, to stay in the company. Absolutely. This is what I'm saying, John. So if you had had an ESOP where the other guy's like, how much do you want? Well, I need five, I need five million. Well, great. Now you can have a fiduciary come in and say, of the eight different ways I've looked at this company, I believe its value is X. Now a bank will loan against that with up to 50% free cash flow going to the contribution of the retirement of this debt, at which point the stock transfers to the people you want it to go to. So the guy leaving, he guys kind of get a stake around, he gets some of his money. The guys who stay love the dude because they didn't just sell and walk away. They get stock for free over time. The company retires the debt. Meanwhile, your personal holding position increases. Now that's about a three, four, maybe five year strategy. But again, it all goes back to what does the guy leaving want? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Look, it, 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 this is Terry Williamson. This is why I joined Epic Elite. There you go. <laughs> hey, Terry, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate uh, it. I just want to you. One thing, the reason I said yes to this podcast, one, because you're a good dude. Two, because I saw the interview you did with friends of mine, Dom Wells. We do, we're doing a deal with him. Uh, and more importantly, I want to create the actual network of Epic Elite guys that like, when you look back in five, 10 years, we only do deals with each other. Ah, oh, it's so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate Take it. Care. If anything I can do for you, let me know. Of course. Take care. Right. Cheers.